Amen. Good morning, church fam. Um, I am so glad that you are watching with us live here on Facebook. And I uh, wanted to bring you a couple of quick announcements before we jump into the message. Uh, number one, we're collecting for our Sir Food Drive. Uh, you, you can bring those items, uh, all non-perishable items. You can put them in the bin uh, outside of the doors there at the church. Uh, you can also uh, help us with the, our, our health care workers. Uh, we are collecting items along, uh, we're partnering with our MOPS group, and we're collecting items such as um, healthy snacks, kind bars, things like that, um, you know, healthy drinks that they can set out that don't need to be refrigerated. Uh, you, can, you can give gift cards, $5 gift cards to Starbucks, to um, to Dunkin' Donuts, whatever it is, um, and, and you can bring those. We have a bin on the other side there at the church that you can bring those and drop them off at. Um, I also wanted to let you know that uh, this uh, earlier this week, uh, I, I sent out a, an email letting you know that, that we did have a positive case uh, at church last Sunday. Um, and I want you to know that uh, we desire to, to gather as a corporate body. And, and one of the things that, that myself and the elders are doing is we're trying to keep up with uh, the updates that CDC and VDH are, are putting out. And, and I wanted to let you know that as we um, have, have been watching those guidance and, and uh, updated uh, changes, uh, we will be able to regather on January the 31st. So we will be in person January the 31st. We will still be uh, virtual online uh, on Facebook that you will be able to, to watch with us, but we will be in person on January the 31st. So VDH and CDC have put out a guidance uh, of 10 days. Um, so that's what we're going to be sticking with. And here's the thing, if you're feeling sick, um, if you think that you may have some of the symptoms, just stay home. Um, we, we want you to be safe. We want our, our members to be safe. And, and in a letter that we're going to be sending out um, tomorrow morning, uh, it, it will describe what it means to have close contact with someone and what that looks like. And um, we, are, we are working hard to keep the church clean, that we're wiping down all of the surfaces. Um, the offices, uh, we're going to, uh, after Sunday, we will actually stay closed for 72 hours um, at the church building so all of the surfaces will be wiped down and any germs that are still there will be gone. So I just wanted to bring you up to speed on some of those things. We're doing our due diligence to, to keep you informed and I want you to know that we miss you. I miss seeing you uh, in person face-to-face, -face, giving hugs, shaking hands, um, but we know that, that uh, you know, the God's got this, and we know that, and we know that um, the, the um, shots are coming out, that uh, we'll be able to, to gather soon in person, all of us back together, and that's what we're looking forward to. So this morning, uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2, and as we've been talking about, um, Mark's gospel will equip us to live on mission. Jesus is always in motion, and he, Jesus, is on mission constantly. So what we want to do is we want to break uh, the patterns of self-absorption, uh, of self-centered living. We want to serve like never before. And we need, because of everything that's happening in our world today, we as Christians need to be serving. We need to be there for those um, who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do 
is we're going to see this morning how Jesus now calls. Um, we've seen him tempted. We've seen how God has prepared the way. But what we're going to do this morning is we're going to see how Jesus calls in, in, in two passages this morning as he calls those first disciples. In, in our passage today, we're going to see four fishermen. And, and those four fishermen, they're just going to leave everything behind. And, and Jesus is going to make pretty strong demands on these four fishermen. And, and then he's going to walk up to uh, a, a tax collector. And it was jarring of what he said to these four fishermen. But then he walks up, and um, there were some religious fans. And then they hated tax collectors. And Jesus is going to say, hey, Levi, hey, Matthew, um, come and follow me. So let's dig in, and let's read Mark chapter 1. We're going to read verses 16 through 20 to start. It says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired servants and followed him. Now we're going to jump to Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. He went outside, uh, he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. And as he passed by, that he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. So as we look at these two sections of scripture, I have a very simple outline that I want us to look at this morning. We're going to look at how do we follow the Savior, and then how do we focus on sinners. So let's start by following the Savior. So Jesus had been in Capernaum for a little while now. Capernaum was a very small town. It was located on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. And to understand the Sea of Galilee, um, it wasn't huge. Um, it, it was about eight miles long. It was about four miles wide. It, it wasn't very big. It was more of a, a lake than it really was a, a sea. Now, most of Jesus' ministry is going to be located in uh, this northwest corner uh, of the town of Capernaum. Now, as Jesus walks on the shore, he sees two brothers fishing. Uh, and, and so you know, um, the, where, where they were actually fishing and where their nets were located compared to where Matthew was going to be set up, it wasn't that far uh, apart here. But as Jesus has been there, he's going to walk along the, the sea and, and he sees these brothers casting a net into the sea. And then if we go to Luke chapter, or I'm sorry, um, Mark chapter 2, verse 13, it says, He went out again beside the sea. And as we read there um, in, in Mark chapter 2, uh, it, it says that people were running to him. It says all the crowd was coming to him. And, and the tense of the word is that the crowd kept building. It kept running. They kept following Jesus wherever he went. And he was teaching them. And again, the idea is that he kept teaching. He never stopped teaching the people. And we know from Mark chapter 1, verse 14, that he was proclaiming the gospel of God. 
This is what we read. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now I bring all of this up that, that he was teaching and he kept teaching because many times people think, well, Jesus just walked up um, and for the very first time that he sees Andrew and Peter and James and John and then even Levi, they see Jesus and Jesus says, hey, follow me. And they just immediately drop everything and follow him. Now, Jesus had a personality that, that drew people to him, but what we do know from, from John chapter 1 was this is not the first encounter that Andrew and, and Peter had with Jesus. Um, they were spending time, and, and as Jesus was going throughout Capernaum, Levi would have heard Jesus teaching. But I think all of them, for the most part, were probably just afraid to walk up and to uh, just hang out with, with Jesus, especially Levi. I mean, Levi was a tax collector. He was hated. Nobody really wanted to be around him. But, but this, is the, this is the awesome part of Jesus. Because out of all the crowd that Jesus sees in, in Mark chapter 2, verse 13, out of all of the crowd, hundreds of people gathering around to hear Jesus, Jesus locks eyes on one person. In, in verse 14, we read, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus. Jesus is on mission no matter where he is, no matter where he goes. You know, we make judgments all the time based upon personal appearance, but Jesus saw something more. Jesus saw who Levi really was. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, we read, he saw a man. And that's the awesome part here as well. Jesus sees a man. And when Jesus looks at you, you may say, I'm full of sin and I've made a mess of my life and everything seems to just be falling apart. Jesus sees beyond just the messed up part on the outside. Jesus sees potential. Listen, Jesus knows that we're a mess. He knew that Peter and Andrew were a mess. He, he knew that, that Levi was a total mess, yet he looked inside of him and he saw something more. He doesn't see the shame. He doesn't see the guilt. He has plans and a purpose for you as well. And if we keep reading there in, in Mark chapter 2, where does he see Levi? He sees him sitting at a tax booth. He was a tax collector. Basically, everyone else saw the scum of the earth when they saw Levi. Now, here's the thing about tax collectors. They were required to collect a certain amount of taxes to give to Rome, but then they could add extra taxes on their own and then keep it for themselves. As long as they gave Rome what was Rome's, they got to keep everything else. And as a result, tax collectors like uh, Levi, like Zacchaeus, uh, they often became very wealthy as well. And this is what we know about tax collectors. Number one, they were dishonest. Uh, they were known to overcharge. And when they overcharged, if you couldn't pay, they would give you um, a loan to pay it, but it would have exorbitant uh, high interest loans. They were also disqualified. 
tax collectors. They were not allowed to give testimony as witnesses because no one trusted them. Their, their tithes weren't even accepted in the church. <laughs> All of your tithes are accepted in our church. I, I promise you that. Just teasing. No, they really are. Um, but he was considered an outcast, even excommunicated from the synagogue. According to the rabbis, there was no hope for a loser like Levi. They were also detested. Tax collectors were classed with murderers and robbers, uh, with prostitutes, only they were considered the worst. So that's who Levi was. But Jesus didn't see those things. Jesus saw the potential that Levi had. And what does he do? What does he do to these fishermen that were just kind of on the outskirts? What does he do with this guy named Levi? He summoned him. He summoned them. He said, follow me. Now here's a, a, a few lessons that we can get from these passages. Number one, no one is beyond hope. Number two, Jesus knows how to reach your wayward loved ones. Jesus sees your hidden potential. He sees what no one else sees, even you. He sees it. And it's impossible to know what's happening in a person's heart. And that's a key one. We want to judge people, and we do a pretty good job of that today. But we don't know what's really inside of a person's heart. But Jesus does. And what happens um, with these four fishermen? What happens with Levi? Well, with Levi, it says, he rose and followed him. He immediately obeys. And that's awesome here. In Luke chapter 5, verse 28, it provides uh, some additional insight. It says, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. We read in 118 that these fishermen, they just left their nets. So let me ask you, what have you left behind? What is it right now that you just need to leave behind in your life and just start following Jesus? Is there something that you're still holding on to? Levi's response here was completely wholehearted. He made a complete break. He didn't bend down to grab some of his shekels. He didn't say, let me tidy up for the next person that sits in my seat. It says that he immediately got up and he followed Jesus. He severed all of his ties. And that's what we read about these four fishermen back in 118. It says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And that word left, it says, it means that they immediately severed all ties. Now again, it's worth noting that this was not the first time that they had come in contact. Andrew, Peter's brother, um, he was there. He was present when Jesus was baptized. He was there and he heard John the Baptist say, behold the Lamb of God. In John chapter 1 verse 41, we read that Andrew said to Peter, we have found the Messiah. Now they've left their lives completely behind to follow the Lord Jesus. Now, 
when we think about all of this, that they left everything immediately, they severed all the ties. It, it reminds me of the pig and the chicken that were walking by a, a, a breakfast joint, and, and they saw a sign outside that said, ham and eggs, two ninety-five. And the chicken said, that's, a, that's our whole contribution to society, breakfast food. The pig replied, for you it may be a contribution, but for me it's a total commitment. Jesus really picked a motley crew of disciples, didn't he? I mean, the, the first four fishermen, the fifth is a tax collector, and I believe that all of the people were around were pretty much amazed when Jesus picks these first five guys to, to follow him. And Jesus calls them to work with one another. And can you imagine these two sets of brothers? Can you imagine what, what Andrew and Peter and James and John are thinking? I mean, they Levi probably taxed these fishermen on their nets and their boat and, and all of the fish that they caught. And, G, and they're saying to Jesus, you want us to work with one another? But here's the thing. Once we are called, we must surrender and serve. We must work together. That's what we've been called to do. It was Dave Johnson. I remember we were hanging out and talking after a life group and, and we were just talking about everyone that was around. And, and as we looked at everyone that was around, it was like, it, I remember him saying something similar to these words, you know, outside of church, we probably never would have met. And how true that is. Outside of Jesus, four fishermen and a tax collector probably never would have just hung out together. But once we are called, we must surrender and serve. We don't just get to pull up a seat at the dinner buffet and scarf down whatever we want. We need to get to work. We need to follow Jesus. But then we need to focus on sinners. That's what we've been called to do. Focus on sinners. If you would have asked Matthew at, at this point if he thought Jesus could use him as an evangelist, he would have said, that's a good one. <laughs> but I imagine after he was called, he was probably going, how can I contribute? I mean, I'm a tax collector. Nobody really likes me. I guess I got other tax collector friends. You know, I'm really good at throwing a party. Hey, let's throw a party. And that's exactly what he does. He focuses on sinners. He doesn't just walk away from them. He actually focuses on in on them. I, I believe that there are three important factors that, that will help us to focus in on sinners. Number one, express acceptance. Look at verse 15. And as he reclined at table... In his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for they were many who followed him. Now, the word recline, uh, it is used twice in this verse, and it is the practice of laying on your side, leaning on your elbow with your head by the table. This is a posture of complete relaxation. Now, when I go out to dinner, um, you know, especially with my family, we don't just hang out. We get our food, we eat it, and we leave. We don't just sit around. Now, when, when I do go out, um, 
uh, to Mission Barbecue and people want to go with me. They, they hear me talk about it. So we go and we hang out and we talk and, and we enjoy ourselves. But I'm pretty sure that Maria and the rest of the staff, if, if I were to go to Mission Barbecue and say, hey, we're just going to relax and, and we're going to lean out and we're going to stretch out on, on the, the table on the floor, they would probably say, Travis, it's time to go. It's time to get out. But that's exactly what they were doing. You see, the phrase at table is a term of identification and friendship. It means I accept you. I identify with you. you to, to, to eat from the same loaf of bread was to join yourself with the person that you were eating with. You see, Matthew, he followed Jesus and then he invited all of his friends, all of his tax collector friends. You know, some of the most effective evangelists are the brand new Christians. They still have lots of sinners in their life. And so they have a zeal to share the gospel. And, and that's important for us. You know, many times we kind of drift away from our non-Christian friends once we get into the church. And when we come into the church, that is our focus but we need to make sure that we don't become us few and no more. We need to continue to have relationships outside of the church. We need to serve and we need to focus on sinners. Number two, we need to expect opposition. If we mix it up with the marginalized, then it's highly likely that you're going to be criticized. And usually from the most religious. Look at verse 16. And the scribes of the Pharisees when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? This is the first time that Mark is going to mention the Pharisees here. And I want to give some props to the Pharisees. You know, they wanted to keep the law. And that's great that they wanted to keep the law. Here's the problem. They continually wanted to add to the law. And one of the first laws that they had, one of the first number one rules that they had was to stay away from the unrighteous. And so when Jesus, who claims to be the Son of God, is mixing it up with sinners and, and tax collectors and prostitutes and all of the marginalized people, they're like, wait a minute, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? John MacArthur writes, the religious hated Jesus for condemning good people, and they hated him for forgiving bad people. Notice that the Pharisees corner the disciples. They don't corner Jesus. They corner the disciples. And in Matthew chapter 21, verse 31, it says, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. That's how Jesus felt about the Pharisees. So express acceptance to sinners. When you do, expect opposition. And then that leads us to the third truth. Emulate Jesus. I love how Jesus reframes our understanding. He takes this opportunity to clarify his mission. His entire purpose was to spend time with sinners in order to bring them to salvation. Look at verse 17. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Could you imagine walking in 
uh, to a hospital and seeing this is their mission statement. We're here for the healthy. If you're sick, stay away. Can you imagine a church that saw its sole purpose to provide a place for perfect people? Let's be clear. We exist as a church to help the hurting. That's who we are. To minister to the messed up and to love the unlovely. To help them so they can have their sins forgiven. And so we, as Christians, can also have our sins forgiven because we're still sinners. You know, when I hear people say, I, I don't want to come to church because I, I don't want uh, to come to a place that's filled with hypocrites. I often will smile at them and say, well, why don't you come and join us? Because then we'll just have one more. You see, Jesus moves from an analogy to an appeal to his authority. This is what Jesus says. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came to bear our burdens, to become our sacrifice for our sins. But the Pharisees, they forgot all about helping the hurting. The whole purpose of Jesus coming was to save sinners. That is the very essence of the gospel mission and the mission of Jesus and the mission that he has given to all of his disciples since then. Paul had that same mission. This is what we read in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. The saying, is, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Do we think of that as of ourselves? Or do we think of ourselves as the Pharisees did? We're saved and we need to stay away from the unrighteous. Paul says, Jesus came to save the sinners, and I'm the worst one of those sinners. He saw himself. The closer that Paul came to know Jesus, the further away he realized that he was, because he was still a sinner. The Pharisees thought of themselves as, as righteous. They looked down their noses at those who sinned differently than they did. To them, it was scandalous that Jesus would want to spend time with them. So what about us? How can we take what Jesus lays out to us in Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2 here and calling these disciples, how do we put it into action? What are our action steps? How do we apply this? I think there's two easy things for us to see. Wholeheartedly follow the Savior wholeheartedly follow the Savior. What's holding you back? Is there something holding you back? Let it go. Now, at this moment, let it go. Get up and follow Jesus right now. That's exactly what he said to the fishermen. That's exactly what he said to Matthew. He simply said, follow me. It's the call of conversion and commitment. It's the call of sal salvation and surrender. Too many today think Christianity is just for good people. If that was the case, I couldn't be there. If that was the case, it would be an empty church building all the time. 
because we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Wholeheartedly follow the Savior. Most of us underestimate God's holiness and overestimate our goodness. You're not too bad to be saved. Always, please, always remember that. And then lastly, intentionally focus on sinners. Intentionally focus on those who do not know Jesus as their Savior. I ask you every week, who's your one more? And this week is no different. Who is your one more? Who can you invite to watch with you? Who can you invite to come and sit in that chair next to you? When Jesus prayed for his followers in, in John chapter 17, verse 15, this is what he said. Jesus says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. He wants us to be in the world. He wants us to share with those who need to know him as their Savior. And he wants us to live for him, recognizing that we are sinners as well. And we've come to that part in the service this morning where we're going to take communion. Whatever emblems you have, whether you picked up some of the emblems from the church or or whether you're just using crackers and, and grape juice, orange juice, whatever it is. It's not what the emblems are. It's what they represent. They represent the body and the blood of Jesus who died for our sins. And so as we partake of communion, I want you to remember that Jesus came and he lived the perfect life. A life that we couldn't live. And he died a death that we should have died and he did it for us and in just a second we're going to take those emblems and we're going to pray and if there's a decision that you need to make it if there's a sin that you're struggling with i want you to know that you can reach out to me you can call me you can text me you can email me you can post a message here on facebook come in and see me in the office we want you to know that that you can be saved that you can have your sins forgiven, that we will pray with you, that we will help you in whatever journey that it is that you need to make and decision that you need to make as well. Let's pray for communion. Gracious Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can come into your house, that we can worship you. Lord, I'm so thankful that you have called us, that we see the example of, of how you called um, these fishermen how you call a sinner like Matthew, a tax collector. Lord, it doesn't matter who we are, where we are, you can use us. You see beyond our mess, and you see potential, potential that may, we may not even see in our lives. And, and Father, I ask that as we partake of communion as we take of these emblems, that we remember your sacrifice, that we can lay our burdens before the foot of the cross. We pray this in your Son's most holy and precious name. Amen.